Before we get started, just another reminder that you can find The Goldcast on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast. You can also find us on Twitter at The Goldcast underscore. You can find us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast and on Twitter at The Goldcast underscore. Still trying to get The Goldcast. It's the worst taking forever don't forget to share like and subscribe you can also if you like the podcast check us out on youtube and on itunes and on stitcher we're on three different platforms a couple more platforms to uh, we'll be joining soon but you can definitely find us on those three platforms tell a friend share like and subscribe share like and subscribe the following episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by number two pencils number three is out Number four is completely inefficient. I've never even seen a number one pencil. The best pencil to use when writing, if you still do write in the 21st century, is with a number two pencil. Get them at your local grocery store today. All right, here we go. Big news for the 49ers. John Lynch is the new GM. And then uh, we have some Super Bowl prop bets. And then we're going to finish with... A little bit of Warriors and a little bit of Royal Rumble. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. And our Los Angeles co-host. Louis B. Boom. All right, gentlemen. Lots to talk about in the world of the San Francisco 49ers. Louis's favorite subject. Welcome back, sir. <laughs> How are you? Uh, dude, it's awesome to be back. I'm sorry it took so long for me to get back here, but schedules are crazy down here in Los Angeles, as you know. So oh, happy 100%. to be back. So yes. let's, let's first start with my father, Rudy Solis Jr., the unofficial fifth member of the gold cast let's start with his prediction and your feelings the super official unofficial fifth member uh who i always feel is here with us in spirit always um god man this sucks so we all i don't know we've talked about once or twice but we all rudy me and then rudy rudy jr technically rudy jr technically but rudy senior to me uh all made a bet at the beginning of the season that the Rams, what, what the Rams record would be. Yep. He said four and 12, which I thought was insane. You said six and 10. I said eight and eight. We all were kind of one. We all basically every other one. It was four and four and 12. This is 10, eight and eight. So I, at, at the, at, at the week, at the, after the fourth week, I'm looking at the standings and the Rams are three and one. And I remember having a conversation with you, Rudy, and I said I was cracking up, and I was like, bro, so at this point, because the Rams are 3-1, and one, I'm like, at this point, you're dead. the Rams have to lose 11 of their next 12 for your dad to win this bet. I was like, so I, I think it's safe to say that your dad's going to be out 20 bucks. And the Rams lost. 11 of their following 12 games, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like the Rams, the, <laughs> the Rams literally went 3 and 1 and then they went 1 and 11. Like that is and no one talks about that because the Niners had such a long skid. We had almost as worse as as bad of a skid that you guys had. Luckily, we just had a three-game buffer. But other than that, we were horrendous we were really 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 bad and no one talks about it because the Niners only had one win which or sorry two wins which is against us I'm so happy about that but no one talks about it but that's (laughs) that's that's literally it the Rams were just as terrible like don't don't be mistaken so I'm really upset about that I'm now out 20 bucks uh another 20 bucks so I'm not happy about that it was a re- it was a stunningly accurate prediction that I I'm unbelievably stunning. Yeah, I'm really surprised he actually got that to the nose. And I remember I remember you sent that text. You're like, unless you know they have to literally lose eleven <laughs> of their next twelve games, not gonna happen. And then they did. <laughs> they lost eleven of twelve. Oh my god! After going three and one, that's insane. What are the odds? 
The odds are so low, man. My dad, God, my dad should have put some real money in Vegas on that one. Oh, he really should have. He really oh, he should have. Banks. Yeah, he missed banked. out on a huge opportunity there. So, <laughs> so let's move on. I love that. I love that. You know what? I also like that we we did get to get that in because you were curiously absent from the the Niners' only <laughs> real highlight of the season, which was us uh, sweeping you guys. I loved how you were not on the Gold Cast. I don't think you've been on the Gold Cast since then. I think that might have been, and that's and and that's. I'm gonna leave that up to the the faithful to decide if that was on purpose or if that was <laughs> LA scheduling, quote unquote. Yeah, for sure. I might still be salty. I don't know. We'll see. That was the one highlight. That was literally the only highlight of what was a dismal season. But you know, we now have some change on the horizon. We have the 49ers uh, have hired in typical Jed York stunning fashion. Some guy out of nowhere. We we hired John Lynch to be the new GM, who, according to reports by Adam Schefter, um, decided to nominate himself a week ago. I feel like guys. I feel. And then I'm gonna give you guys the floor, Ray. I'll give it to you first. I feel like I feel like Jed York sometimes is like is like Donald Trump. Is like his favorite person is the last person he spoke to. Like that's his favorite person, and that has the strongest influence over him is the last human being he spoke to. Because I, I just. I, I don't get it. And you know you know me. I, I'm one of those faithful. I want to stay po- positive. I want to stay 49er faithful. But are you serious? John Lynch, after all of the opportunities and the people we spoke to, this is the man that we settle on, a guy with absolutely no GM experience whatsoever? This is the guy out of everybody? You could have hired me. I didn't realize. I should have called Jed York myself. I had no idea. Ray, your turn. Brutal. I haven't been this surprised since Ric Flair won the 1992 Royal Rumble, drawing the number three entry <laughs> and going on to win it with the final four being Hulk Hogan, Sid Vicious, Ric Flair, and uh, the fourth was, uh, oh, what's his name? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> I just... It's it's crazy. Um, it's 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 very wrestling esque because even though you know that there's a script that there's a there's a formula that's being followed, that at any given point there could be an improvisational moment thrown in to help spice things up, which is also encouraged in W in wrestling, but in football, um, it's almost like York is, is taking a couple notes from there. And I, I, obviously some of this is influenced because Royal rumble was tonight. So I've got, I've got that running in my blood and in my, in my brain right now, but I just felt like that same, I, I felt like this, the same degree of shock, shock, improvisational shock value was, was applied here. Um, and just and the reason I say it is because no, nobody in the press knew, aside from Schefter's guy who found out last minute. Matt Mayoko did not know. Uh, Bleacher Report. Jason Cole did not know. None of the other guys knew. Kevin Kevin jo- Kevin Jones didn't know. None of them knew. Not even uh, of of what's his name? Not not Adam Schefter, but the other guy, the other his counter his counterpart. Uh, Ian Rappaport did not know. None of these guys knew. Out of out of nowhere, we didn't. And John Lynch, he so he met with the Niners on he met with them in Shanahan Thursday and Friday, and he sleeps over Jed York's house on Saturday or Friday night, some one of those nights. Here's a question: it's Who's staking like, out Jed York's house? Who was sleeping on that job? Who's the guy with binoculars that's supposed to be watching Jed York, York's house for every single movement? Who's that guy? Clearly sleeping on the slipping, job. Sleeping on the job. I don't know. Apparently, there's no paparazzi that follows him back to his house, but this just came out of nowhere. And yes, I get it. John Lynch was a terrific player, nine-time Pro Bowler, most likely going to go to the Hall of Fame. In fact, if you make nine Pro Bowlers and you have a Super Bowl ring, there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to go to the Hall of Fame. It's it's almost undebatable. Mm-hmm. So, so, and a lot of people are comparing this to the other hires that are similar to like this, where they where they go from broadcasting to uh, coaching obviously the, there was the GM pick that was on the Niners so here's the here's another odd thing John Lynch was not even on the interview list he just snaked by and un- undercut everybody they said that he called Shanahan and said hey hey I'll be the GM blah 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 blah, blah. 
And they say that the two selling points were his communication skills and his leadership skills, which uh, apparently, according to despite all of the resumes of the other candidates, just outshone everybody. And I, I get it that leadership and communication are were kind of the huge some of the big overarching problems of the previous tenure in Trent Balky and his his inability to communicate with the existing coaching staff, no matter which crew was in there. But. But it's like, okay, but what about previous accomplishments? So I don't know. It's, it's hard to determine. So with, with, with George Payton, I think the drawback was the fact that he was pro only. He didn't do the college side. He was a pro personnel guy. He did not scout college. He wasn't even, in the, he wasn't even scouting college at this point in time, whereas Terry McDonough, McDonough was. And he was, a big, he was big on both sides of the football, but he was more so on the college side. So both of them were kind of like – they were the piece that, that we were looking forward to and the candidates that got blocked by by their respective teams, the, the the Green Bay candidates were the two that come to mind. Even though they were young and up and comers too, didn't have that experience, but they were coming through the ranks to go into that. That was like the next step for them, so that made a lot of sense. And then Chris Ballard turned down the position. We now know that he's taken the job with Indianapolis Colts. So I look for that franchise to really come into its own and kind of reinvent itself, much uh, much in the way that they did when Peyton Manning was in that ship. So. Good for them. It'll be nice to ha- to see the AFC have more competition uh, alongside Brady uh, again. So, thank God it's it's so annoying just watching them just kind of coast through the playoffs because nobody's good. But back to the Niners. I mean, this is crazy. So they compared to Matt Millen, who came over ten years after after he had retired, and then he had went from broadcasting to front office. Never had any experience. They had the NFL worst record in in history: thirty one eighty four, a two seventy winning percentage, including an zero and sixteen season in two thousand eight. Terrible, the worst in in the history of the game. But then again, on the flip side, they say John Elway was the same thing. John Elway was doing uh, broadcasting before he got hired back to the Broncos, although he did spend a few years doing arena football league. I think he was, uh, I think he was in charge of an arena football league before that. And that was, uh, and uh, John Lynch has been with Fox since 2008. Uh, um, uh, the, the golden state warriors, uh, their coach, um, Steve Kerr, he was in broadcasting before he got hired to to take them over. So, I mean, sure, there's a lot of pros and cons, but it's it's a wild card for sure. It is definitely a wild card. We don't know what's going to happen out of this. He obviously has an impressive playing career, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee him to be a competent uh, general manager. So, I don't know. This is just a left out of left field, out of right field, out of shortstop out of everywhere <laughs> well i will i will say is that um you know i'm 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 really good at watching football like really good at watching it uh wasn't i was very wildly mediocre at playing it but i'm really good at watching it and even i don't think that that necessarily translates to a technical you know gm or, or whatever higher up position in a franchise not that as a Fox analyst, it's just as simple as sitting on your couch and watching the game. But at the end of the day, that's pretty much all it is. It's that backed with a little bit of research. And if you play fantasy football, you're pretty much a, an analyst because you're doing all the numbers and you're watching the game. So <laughs> I'm not trying to compare myself to a Fox or a CBS analyst, but if that's all we're going to take from it, I, that's that's where I grow worrisome is that that's if that's the, the benchmark – that's a problem. Again, I'm sure that part of it was that, yeah, this guy, you know, again, like you said, nine-time Pro Bowler, sure to be Hall of Fame. There's no way. One of the best safeties ever played the game. I remember I used to love watching him play, but I just don't, I don't know if that all translates into the business side of it, into the general manager side of it, into that 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 process, that thinking of being able to to scout players, scout talent, and know that they're going to translate. Uh, to the to the league. Well, well, here's well, here's the good news about that, or at least about part of that, is that we know for a fact that John Lynch is sole job, much like Trent Baalke's to a large degree, is going to be simply to evaluate talent and communicate with the coaching staff. At least I'm assuming that is the presumption here going forward. Unlike the previous regime, where that was kind of really hit and miss, if not non-existent. 
non-existent. So I think that's the goal going forward. But the reason why I bring it up is because the other aspect of the job, which a lot of GMs take on both aspects, is the contract negotiation aspect, which is strictly Parag Marate's job and which it makes in my mind, perfect sense. He's a numbers guy. He has an MBA out of Stanford. That's exactly what he should be doing. And he's done a terrific job doing that. Do the Niners have any financial woes? No. In fact, they are the second richest team in the NFL in terms of of, of cap spending money. So, uh, you know, he's not going to have to worry about that. So that's the good thing. He's going to do just the one thing that most analysts are supposed to do, which is just evaluate players. So, whether he can do that at the college level and and hopefully churn out some talent, you know, is a combination of his ability to sniff out talent and also Kyle Shanahan and company's ability to train and polish that talent. So I don't know. I, I obviously feel great about Shanahan and who he's going to bring in because that's obviously going to be a the the biggest component of this whole of this whole off season hiring process. But John Lynch is just a, a just remains to be a huge, huge wild card. But it's just one again. It's one of those Jed York wild cards. Why does Jed always have to throw some monkey wrench at us? Jim Tom Sula is comes to mind. You know, it just wow. I, 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 I the longer this went on, I kept feeling like okay. The longer it went on, I get I got more and more nervous, and I thought, man, we're the longer this goes, the closer we get to some sort of off-the-cuff, wild Jed York decision, which is what I wanted to avoid at all costs. And then we got it. And I don't know. It's it's just hard. We Jed York does not have a proven track record when it comes to these kinds of decision-making processes. He just doesn't. And I don't understand why. I really don't. Maybe he's too close to it. Maybe he gets too over-emotional. I think Kyle Shanahan's a great pick. He obviously is doing these six-year contracts to go, okay, you guys, I mean, I think he should have done three and three. I think three and three is fine. I don't know why we're doing six years. Like We're going we're to be tied to these guys till what? Till 2022? Yeah, the fact that John Lynch is getting six, six and years so is Kyle. obviously in, – in, yeah, exactly. That's indicative of what Kyle's contract is going to be because we know that they're tied together. So they're going to be, you know, they're, they're, they're gonna, they're, their tenure with the 49ers is paralleled. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I mean, and I, I can and I, see that. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, and I get it. I get, I get the concept, but I'm like, why not do three years or do four years? Like six years? Six years? Six is- well, they're, 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 that to me, that is a reflection of, and you, it, there's obviously good and bad to it, like anything else, but this is a reflection of York's commitment to being patient to this next regime in their process. I mean, that's some, that's some serious patience. That's, that's some for real <laughs> patience. I won't even be in my 30s anymore when this, when this regime is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, Matt Millen. Matt Millen got eight years to set his his NFL worst record, and we all know what happened to Steve Kerr and John Elway. So, so by I mean, those we, odds, they're they're two 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 winners out of three. Uh, yeah, we have obviously, you know, it could go either way. Uh, you know what I think? I think the reason we lost most of the other guys is because Kyle Shanahan wanted final say and i think jed york was is willing to give it to him and i think most of these gms they're you know like like every, like every one of these positions any one of these positions you have these these very dominant personality types everyone wants to have control everyone wants to you know everyone wants to to have the the final say over everything there's a lots of money lots lots of ego riding on all these decision making processes at this level in professional football and i think really what it came down to the reason kyle shanahan the reason green bay backed out and several of these other GMs backed out is because Kyle Shanahan was going to get final say. And I think, I think really, I don't think it hasn't been said yet. And I think it'll come out sooner or later, but my guess, my gut instinct guess is that the final say uh, on player personnel is going to be Kyle's. And I think that, that a lot of these GM guys didn't want that. They wanted to have final say. And I, I can see that. I, that I might think be part of it. Really you know, I can certainly see that. And, uh, and I know that Kyle Shanahan obviously had a voice in there, and it was about comfort and his ability to work with another person. And we know that John Lynch obviously has ties to John Elway because they were together in during in the Bronco. For uh, he was they were together in, for the Denver Broncos. And obviously, not while 
he be- not when he became the general manager. They were both retired by that time, but he did play several years in there. I believe uh, 2004 to 2007, he played for the Denver Broncos. This was after their Super Bowl run. So, um, but um, so there are some ties there. And also, by the way, Mike Shanahan was still the head coach at that point too. So he obviously has ties to Mike. So we know that even though it has nothing has been reported about it because this is more behind the scenes stuff that the reporters can't get to. Cause it's not like Mike Shanahan's talking to, to anybody. He's kind of just, you know, lurking in the background, kind of talking in his son's ear. But we know that Mike Shanahan has an ear and, and obviously went to Kyle and said, Hey, what's, what's up with this? And they said, Kyle's good with it. We know Mike has probably vouched for him at this point, And we know Mike is going to be a pseudo advisor at this point and who knows john lynch might even bring him on that might have been one of the conditions too to bring him on as as an advisor which obviously wouldn't be a terrible idea because mike shanahan despite having come to an end of his coaching ability still has a very good eye for talent because a lot of the good players that you see in washington right now were a result of mike shanahan's ability to to fish them out because he had final say over the personnel over there that's yeah, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a perfect example. They took Kirk Cousins the year they took RJ three, and that was looked at as the dumbest move ever. And yet, now that's paying dividends for them. So, let me ask you um, a question, Louis. How do you feel? How would you feel if Kirk Cousins was traded to the 49ers? As someone who is a rival against the 49ers, would you be happy that we had Kirk Cousins, or would you, or would you be like, oh shit, now I got to deal with Kirk Cousins in the uh, NFC West? Honestly, I would hate it so much, bro. I would hate it so much because I think he's a legit quarterback, bro. Really? This is my this. Legit. Yes. And wow. this, I think he's up this and coming. Is my I wouldn't know if I'd say legit yet. though. Well, no, no, no. I, OK, well, let's define. Yeah, we can define legit. I, when I say legit, I, I'm not necessarily saying, you know, that the Rogers, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, but a, 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 a legit franchise QB that you can build a team around, I 100% believe that. Dude, back-to-back, he, first of all, set the rec, the Redskins' single-season record this year on a franchise tag. Last year, and and if you guys didn't know, there's some pressure on you when there's a franchise tag on you. So he set the record under a franchise tag. And then last year, when he didn't even know he was going to be the starter, he came in was able to take over the starting job, had a rough first couple weeks, and then went and then went bananas, and then almost they had a playoff berth last last year, didn't they? Am I or they might have been close? They might have been just as close as they were this year. I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank right now, but they were nine and they, seven last year. I'm and, almost certain they were in the playoffs last year. I think they I think they were the number like the number six seed or so. They went out. Yeah, really they they were like that. a wild card. They were nine and seven. They 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 eked in there. Exactly, and then they lost that first round. But he led him to the playoffs, and this year with a pretty porous defense, he led them with 4,900 yards. Now, again, yard, it, you can't. It's hard to say. Oh well, if someone throws a lot of yards is going to be is going to make get you wins. I mean, look at Drew Brees. But 4,900 yards, 30 plus touchdowns to do to lead your team to that with a porous defense, and to go eight and eight. I believe they're eight and eight. They were about a, a win away from the playoffs. They had a tie. I'm sorry. Yes, they were. They were tied, really close to making playoffs. And uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I would be terrified if Kirk Cousins came to the US. I think that the Washington Redskins in the next couple of years are really going to come up. Their offensive line is pretty decent. Uh, their defense is okay. That's probably their biggest weakness. They have they have a, a handful of they have good young receivers around them Josh Doxson and um, uh, Rudy the guy that you traded away in, in our league who um, Crowder Jamison Crowder oh, that's my boy they got him yeah they got Crowder they got um, they got Doxson to build around they got Deshaun Jackson who may end up going to Philly Pierre Garcon could be that veteran that stays there Jordan Reed who win healthy is a top Another five Mike Shanahan pick. <clears throat> exactly. That's what I mean. So, so I think that, no, I think, I think Kirk cousins and the, I think Kirk cousins gets a big deal in Washington. I'm hoping it's a big deal because the last effing thing I want is for him to end up in San Francisco. Cause I would hate my life. Um, I think Kirk cousins is legit. I think he's a legit quarterback. I think he can, he's a great quarterback to build a team around. I think he proved it this season by coming out under a franchise tag and handling business and leading his team to a to a to a 500 plus record, 
the one thing I will say real quick about this is the argument back to um, John about, Lynch, uh, Kyle. Sh- okay. No, but well, yeah, and about Kyle Shanahan too with the, with those guys is that <clears throat> I kind of like the fact that um, that they're signed, not necessarily John Lynch, but and if they are tied together, but. I like the fact that Kyle Shanahan signed to a six-year because that does show the patience, and that shows that give Kyle Shanahan the time. Let's not forget the Falcons were pretty terrible after week seven last year. Their offense was nowhere near where they were this season. It took time for Kyle Shanahan to come in and build that offense, and that's all I want to see as much. Look, I hate – oh, I hate the Niners, but I, I like good football. I like good football. I like watching good football, and if I'm rooting for that, it you got to give this time. I'm, and Rudy and I have this conversation numerous times. This year isn't the Niners' year. I don't think the Niners come out this year and score 35 points per game and go 11-5 and five and take the NFC West and all this stuff. There's no way. Hell no. But, He'd have to be a genius. He'd exactly. have to be Bill Walsh and, and Bill Belichick put together. Agreed. Agreed, which I agree with that. What I think is that you give this guy time, you give this guy time to build the offense and to create this offense – and you give John Lynch, who you guys hope can handle this stuff, give him time to build whatever he can build, and you guys build this team. And, yeah, within two to three years, I could totally see if everything goes right, you guys could totally be back up there with the NFC, the top of the NFC West that you guys were you know, two, three years ago. But you, I, I, I like the contract signing for Kyle Shanahan. I do like that. I think that's good to give him time because just give him time to build the offense, man. He could, he could, could, It took him how long to build in Atlanta with – Really good people around him. So how Two long is it going to take him to do this? Exactly. I mean, I mean, he did have an edge. I mean, uh, th- this is the one thing that I like to say to certain people because people put a put a big, they put a big star over Kyle Shanahan's head over this year. And sure, he deserves a lot of credit for what happened there. But at the same time, Matt Ryan was a three time Pro Bowler before he got there, and he made him. He obviously went to his fourth Pro Bowl, got his first MVP consideration, is now in the Super Bowl for the first time in his career. So yes, there is definitely a high degree of merit that Kyle Shanahan deserves. But at the same time, he was working with some really good talent that already existed there. Julio Jones, um, terrific number one wide receiver. Uh, there was, I mean, but what he's done over there, he's improved that offense back when it used to have Roddy White and Julio Jones. They used to have two number one threats, and he did he improved the offense with with half that that firepower. So that's definitely an impressive feat uh, to mention. But at the same time, you know, I think a, a little bit of that I don't want to take away from Kyle Shanahan. But at the same time, it uh, it is worth noting that that he did have a high caliber quarterback before getting there. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to take away credit. I'm just saying, you know, just FYI, this, this was things to case. consider things to consider. things to consider. Exactly. And, and, and with Kirk cousins, um, uh, you know, um, I'm not ready to call him legit yet, but I am ready to call. And that's just the way I feel about what the definition is. And not to say that you're wrong, but Got what it. I am saying is that, um, he is an up and comer. He's thrown for over 4,000 yards in the last two seasons. In the last two seasons, he has started. He's thrown 25 or more touchdowns in the last two two seasons. He's also thrown 11 and 12 picks each of those times. So once that ratio gets down, he's also throwing 67% or better in the last two seasons that he has been the full-time starter. He started only five games in 2014, but he even threw for 61% then. I think he started like one game in 2012 in his rookie year. He played three, but he he. he Played, he played three, but but either way, the 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 point is, um, he's a rising star. Um, that's what I think. Uh, he's he's got he's got the ability there. It's just a matter of if if he can pull it all together. And he's only got two years under his belt. You know, that's that's not a lot of time. That's that's not enough time to write him off. And it's not it's not enough time to 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 punch his ticket so to speak you know but we can say if we look at the numbers his progression especially under the last two years that he started this guy's definitely on the rise when you're throwing over 4000 yards almost 5000 this year and you're throwing 25 or more touchdowns you are in the the you're now in the within the realm of Pro Bowl consideration. That's what I was saying the last time we had this conversation about Kirk Cousins is that this guy's starting to flirt with Pro Bowl consideration. And that's there's something to be said about that. And part of that credit is with some of the early grooming that he had with Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, the most recent grooming he's had with Sean McVay, who's now the Rams coach. I'm curious. Right. To, I, I'm actually 
curious to um, digress for a minute just to get your thoughts on what you think of that that hire because that's also a young wild card hire too. I think uh, um, uh, almost more so than Kyle Shanahan who has nine years of experience versus three years with McVay. <clears throat> uh, so and and real quick just to touch on something because I know whenever I listen to the podcast this bothers me too. Uh, I need to take away a stat. Kirk Cousins, you're right, did not throw for 30 touchdowns this season through for 25. I apologize, it's a 30-plus, my bad. But, yeah, he did throw for 4,900. Um, but uh, moving on to Sean McVay, uh, absolutely. I think that he is way more of a wild card than than anyone that's been hired. He may be more of a wild card almost than John Lynch as the GM, honestly. Um, I, I, I still like him, though. If, it, if oh, out, out, My top three for the Niner hires was Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Josh McDaniels. Yeah, yes. that's and true. I agree. And I agree. And when and when McVeigh got into the talks and and I kind of researched him and I saw what he did, I really like him and I still do. Uh, I think he's an awesome hire for us. I think that what we did is exactly exactly what I wanted us to do was to just go in the complete opposite direction. Just get the f away from the Jeff Fisher, terrible, pardon my language, shitty. 1967 era of football and can we get into the 2017 era of football which is yo you gotta throw the ball you gotta do some i'm not saying that we should just abandon todd Gurley completely but jeff fisher i watched all the games we're talking about regular base offense formations running simple base run plays or hey we might throw in a trick play to Tavon Austin which you know it's going to happen cuz Tavon Austin's going in motion like so that's so when i look at the offense that we had it gets me really excited that we brought in McVay because he is such a complete complete 180 from from Jeff Fisher i'm excited about him i like that he's young i like that he's bringing in this this mindset that he had in, in Washington which is which right. is and was he's a and he's a Kyle Shannon protege and the last exactly. the last the, the last and the in my opinion the most the most important uh, gauge we've had of Kirk Cousins has been under McVay's watch. Yeah, back to back to back years of I believe this year they were number the number they were fourth in total offense I believe and last year there I think they were I think they were twelfth last year they were near they were very very low on the double digit spectrum so basically top twelve back to back years which is the which is the combination of Kyle in my opinion of Kyle Shanahan and McVeigh and then obviously Shanahan being gone the last year it it it, it helps I'm sorry not the combination of, of of Shanahan but I think that. Like you just said, the protege of him that definitely carried on, and I think that that's still in him. I think that he, I think he can bring that to our team, and and we definitely don't have the weapons that they have in Washington. We don't have the uh, the quarterback. I I think, but I think having his mind there, I think it's gonna be a really good change in, in Los Angeles. And, and and like I said to you guys, I think this year's is still terrible for us. Like we'd be really bad. I'll sh- I'd be shocked if we finished. You know, above four or five wins, but I think in the future it's going to be really good for us if we can be patient. That's all I want. I just want patience with this guy. Like he's young, let him let him learn. Well, that's the thing is that I think that, and I've t- I've discussed this with you, Louis, a couple times off air. I think the 49ers and the Rams they just have to get through next year. And I think if they get through next yep. year and they build, I mean, I don't know what you guys are going to do draft wise, but the year after you have draft opportunities. But like you know, we build through the 49ers build through the draft, Rams you know, build through the system they already have, maybe pick a couple a couple players up in free agency. And if we can get to the 2019 season, I really think we have an opportunity to flip the switch and turn the tables on the Seahawks and the Cardinals because I think the Seahawks are on their way down. I'm not sure if the Cardinals are ever going to come up as long as Carson Palmer's the quarterback. And I think that the 49ers and the Rams honestly can position themselves with one season from now after next season, because I think next season is going to be brutal no matter what, but they can position yep. themselves after this, this season coming up to really make a run, a serious run and compete for the NFC uh, first place title. NFC West first place title. You know what I mean? First, I agree. You know, for sure. 100%. Like they, we just I have agree. to get through next year. Well, and real, and just and real quick, a, a quick point to that. What you said about the Cardinals is that, and I agree with that. But to the Cardinals, man, I literally just saw a report: <clears throat> the Cardinals are waiting on Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald. They're waiting on those two to know what they're going to do with their future. 
Like they're they're waiting, and I, and I can't blame them. But they're they, that's the position they're in is that they have to wait to see where they can go as a franchise, depending on what their two veteran old veteran players do. And I agree with you hundred percent. If Palmer stays, <clears throat> they're screwed. And even honestly, if Palmer goes, their backups. I mean, we saw what happened. They're when still Palmer screwed. Was out. <laughs> yeah. Their backups were terrible. Oh my god! Like. They're still screwed. I think, yeah, I think the Cardinals are on the downtick, which is shocking to me because they were my big Super Bowl pick this year. Um, and and yeah, I think the Seattle, Seattle something's weird there. I think it's the offensive line. They need an offensive line. Up, they're, yeah, they're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah. The line. problem is that they've invested. The front office has invested more money into the secondary versus the offensive line. So that's where they thought that they could do patchwork and and plug and play, and it backfired in their face big time. And you can see there's been a decline in that offense ever since then. And uh, on the flip side, they've retained. They've retained the likes of Sherman and uh, Chancellor, but uh, but it comes at a price. Well, giving up uh, w- real quick, we, I can only say one thing. Then we got to go to the Super Bowl prop bets, guys. But giving up, G- giving up their All Pro center for Jimmy Graham was the dumbest thing ever, and I'm glad they did it. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. All right, let's move on. All right, so Super Bowl prop betting. Here we go. I've got some wonderful bets. Some wonderful, wonderful bets to talk about. Not just the uh, the big ones, but we're going to talk about the big ones first. This one definitely, Super Bowl is going to feature, obviously, New England Patriots versus the Atlanta Falcons. I think it's going to be an offensive shootout no matter what. Here's what, we, here's what Vegas has it. Vegas has New England as three-point favorites with the total over, over-under being 59 points. So the spread is three uh, with New England being the favorites, and then the over/under total, fifty-nine points. So let me ask you guys first on this one: Do you take that bet, Ray? Let's start with you. New England Patriots by three. Do you take that bet? And do you think do you take the over/under on fifty-nine points being scored in the game? Ray? I think you, I think you do not take that bet because the Falcons are going to win, and they're going to win by more than a touchdown. I'd say anywhere between ten and thirteen points. Ooh, 10 and 13 Whoa. points. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. And they're, and they're probably going to score something like that. So it'll be similar to the last couple of playoff games, almost similar to like the Niners. I mean, the Niners were the only other team um, now, now thanks to the Falcons, who allowed 20, 20 plus points in each of their playoff games uh, following the Super Bowl uh, victory. Although, but although, a lot of times what they did was, and this was kind of more George Seifert's thing, which was a big, big, huge. I don't know why, what kind, why this trend even existed back then. But in the '90s, if you had a big lead in the NFL, you would then switch to a prevent defense, which would give up tons and tons of yardage, and would obviously, and would obviously lead to scores. In the Niners' case, during the '94, '95 season run in the playoffs, they would they were blowing out guys in the playoffs. They blew out everybody in the playoffs. And then in the latter half of the games, but by the time they knew that the game was out of reach, they would switch to a prevent defense to help run out the clock by keeping everything contained in the middle. So you'd give up the intermediate passes, you'd give up the big running plays because you're playing deep dimes and things like that. So, um, and as a result, you would gain a lot of yardage, get into the red zone, and then you would end up scoring garbage points. And it was like, you know, 49 26 San Diego was the final score of the last Super Bowl. So I expect something like that. Um, not not necessarily by the same margin, um, because the Patriots are the Patriots. But I do expect the Falcons to keep riding this wave that they're on. Wow. So, Louis, what is your perspective on this? Uh, three. Oh, Raymond, you're gonna tell me fifty nine points over under. You're going over under on fifty nine fifty nine points being scored in this game. I say you take the you take the you take the over. Wow! Wow! Boom! That's old, the boldest, the boldest of the bold. Okay, that so was, the cojones uh, on that man. The cojones, bro. I'm telling you. Okay, so, <laughs> so I, so I, I have to completely go in the 180 of that. I was actually texting my brothers about this earlier tonight. This is the highest point line uh, of any of Super Bowl in the in, in, of any Super Bowl in Super Bowl history. And I'm taking the under on it. I'm not going with history. I'm not going with. I'm not going with the 
This is the first time in history it will happen. There's no – 59 points in the Super Bowl is insanity. And I think that we're highly underestimating the two defenses on this team. Now, with that being said, New England's offense, clearly unbelievable. 28 touchdowns, two interceptions for Brady. Matt Ryan, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I mean, both of these offenses are unbelievable, man. Uh, New Eng- uh, Atlanta's number one. I think uh, New England's number six, number four. I got to double check. But I think number six, number four, for sure in the top ten. Both great deep, both great offenses. The Patriots have the number one scoring defense, which it is what it is. Not the number one defense, number one scoring defense. They're able to hold teams low. People kind of underestimate their D because they didn't put up, you know, these crazy gaudy numbers. I think that people are underestimating both deeds because even you know, the the sack leader, the the league's leading sacker is is Vic Beasley on the uh, on the on the Atlanta side. So. In my opinion, I, I I think that these two defenses are kind of underlooked because their offenses are so good. So I t- I definitely take the under in this game just because I feel yeah, like yeah, and neither of them were really outstanding during the regular season, right? Ex- and and ex- Until the without a doubt, without a doubt, and that's and that's where again I I understand why people are undermining these defenses. They were no, they weren't. It's not like we're talking about. You know the Denver D of 2015, or the or the 2014 or 2013 Seattle D. Like I like, there's no there's no comparison. But I feel like these Ds are better than people give them credit for, and I think that the scoring won't be 60 points. I think that it's going to be high score. I think it'll be, you know, 30 to 30 to 21, or you know, 27 24 or whatever. But I think there's going to be the scoring's going to be a little more control. I'm taking the under, and I'm I'm definitely taking New England in this just because. Yeah, Brady's been there seven times. This is seventh start in the Super Bowl. They have the Patriots as a franchise have more Super Bowl appearances than Atlanta's franchise has playoff wins. Wow. <laughs> I mean that's I mean that's like that, that's mind boggling. I had no idea the Patriots had that many Super Bowl bursts. They had they have nine. Nine Super Bowl bursts. Yeah, I knew that I mean, they had the most now. I do know that they right. have that. I didn't that's insanity. I mean, but so just looking at the fact that Brady has been there just an unbelievable amount of times uh, and seeing as how he's not playing the Giants, I, I kind of got to take I'm taking New England on the under on this one. You know, I uh, yeah, I'm taking New England, too. I am. There was I remember we were watching a, you and I both watched that that NFL.com video, Louis, about how there was when the number one scoring defense has played in the Super Bowl, they've won. Was it five of six or was it six of six? Five of six. And you brought up a point that I forgot to bring up. Yep. Yeah. Five of six. Defense wins championships. It never fails. It's the old adage and it comes back to haunt us every time. The problem that what upsets me the most is that Joe Montana, our glorious, glorious quarterback, Raymond, his legacy hangs in the balance again. Uh, again, <laughs> it hangs in the balance, which is such a such a sad, a sad state of affairs. But it is what it is. I also, yeah, I'm also definitely taking New England on uh, on this one. I'll give you guys a couple fun bets, and then we got to get out of here. So some fun bets. All right. So uh, the Atlanta to win by seven or ten points is plus nine hundred. Ray, so you'd have to you'd have to bet nine hundred dollars if you want if they, if you want if you think the Falcons are going to win by. Falcons by 14 to 17 points, which is, you said, plus 1,600. It's a lot of money. Uh, the odds, the odds for the player, who, who, do you think, who do you think has the best odds for the player to score the first touchdown? Best odds. You were to guess. LeGarrette Blunt. Ray? Luis says LeGarrette Blunt. What do you say? Mm, Julio Jones. Ooh. So Julio Jones has the best odds for the Falcons <sighs> at plus eight hundred. I mean, but either, no, if either team wins the wins the uh, the coin toss, they they got a good <laughs> shot at scoring first. The Fal- Falcons are, I, th- I think, the best. They have the they have a nine straight uh, opening drive scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what New England's at, but uh, but e- e- either way, whoever wins the coin toss and elects to keep the ball, which is what I would do. I'm not sure what Green Bay was thinking in the NFC Championship, uh, deferring to the Falcons like that. That was probably the stupidest. That, to me, that was, I already picked the Falcons to win that game, but when they did that, 
that to me, I was like, oh, you, you're, you're, you've doomed yourself from the very beginning. <laughs> uh, but no, Louis, you're right. Legarrette Le- Blunt has the best odds at 700. Julio Jones right. is, oh. is, is plus 800. Julian Edelman is plus 750. So the two, the first three players, it's Blunt, Edelman, then Julio Jones uh, is who they have for the top three players to score first. Then here's some oh. fun bets. Uh, the Let's see here. <laughs> the will lady gaga have a wardrobe malfunction expose an intimate part of the body no is at uh yes at plus 600 no negative 1400 minus 1400 wow minus 1400, minus yeah, 1400. I, 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 <laughs> I would if i had a lot of money i'd take the yes but i'm gonna take the <laughs> no on that one <laughs> will lady gaga have all blonde hair for her first song at halftime show Yes is wow. ne- minus four hundred. No plus two twenty five. Uh, wow! Here's another fun one. Will any player break Super Bowl passing yards, which is four hundred and fourteen yards? Yes, plus three hundred. No, minus six hundred. Then let's see. Uh, what's? Let me see one more good one. Uh, by the way, that was set by Kurt Warner of the, of the St. Louis Rams. Just want to point that out. Boom! There it is. There you go. Nice. That's a nice, <laughs> nice throwback there. Will, will any player break Super Bowl receiving yards record, which is 215 yards? Yes, is plus 800. No, minus 2,000. Those are all just some fun bets to throw. Out. Yeah, that, that's Those definitely are, that's not awesome. happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last thing, last thing, and then we got to go, Raymond. Uh, real quick, final thoughts on the Royal Rumble. Um, I haven't seen a Royal Rumble in ages, but uh, I did enjoy it. I think the highlight was um, the basically the WrestleMania in terms of you know fastest matchup was when Goldberg ended the ring and took out Brock Lesnar just as fast as he did in the main event of WrestleMania. So the, you know, that was Survivor Series. Survivor Series, excuse me. Um, that was uh, that was a pretty cool. Pretty cool moment. Uh, it still does not top the 1992 Royal Rumble, which, in my opinion, is still the greatest of, of all time. Because and simply because the the final six of that, not even the final four, but the final six of that match was terrific. You had uh, Rick Martel, who had the previous record of time spent in the ring before being eliminated, and Ric Flair surpassed him in that same moment when they were the final six. It was him, Roddy Roddy Piper, Sid Vicious, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, uh, just a, a, a dynamite cast. Macho Man was the sixth man. Uh, just a dynamite cast at the very end there. That, And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I don't follow it the way I used to, so uh, there were some names I recognized, some I didn't. I obviously recognized Brock Lesnar, I recognized Goldberg, I recognized a couple other guys but uh, they still still was not the caliber that we saw in the 90, 92 Royal Rumble now, which is the best that's still my favorite Royal Rumble too but I thought Randy Orton was a great surprise because I, I think they were really swerving us and leading you to believe that for sure Roman Reigns was going to win again which clearly nobody wanted um, I was disappointed that Seth Rollins wasn't in it and Triple H weren't in it because I thought for sure they'd pick up their feud there but uh, yeah I thought there was definitely a lack of big names well, no, what just those big names? I mean, most of, a lot of the other big guns were in the were in the the matches before. But I mean, that second half of the twenties. Yeah, was but stacked. but even in previous Royal Rumbles, you've seen guys. I mean, uh, you've seen guys that have played in the preliminary matches that have shown up in the Rumble before. So yeah. that, that that I would still like to have seen. I've also would have liked to see if you remember in the nineteen ninety two, um, almost every single wrestler that was announced sprinted into the ring. I love that energy. They just kept it going, kept it going, kept it going. It was a little bit more methodical in this one. And I kept saying to when I was with my friend, I said, okay, at one moment, there's got to be double-digit guys into the ring. At least one or two times during the Rumble, they've got to have double-digit guys into the ring. And sure enough, that happened a couple times. And then all it takes is one guy to come in there, and he kind of dismantles it or throws out half the Brock, guys. Or Brock something. was so, fantastic. Uh, yeah, exactly. So so I, I love those moments. Th- those are obviously classic moments in the Royal Rumble where you get a bunch of guys in there, then somebody comes in and just disrupts the whole thing and tosses a bunch of guys out. I love that. Yeah, it was good stuff. Uh, Brock versus Goldberg was definitely my favorite highlight, and uh, I thought the second half was stacked. Final thing, too. What about Curry's third-quarter flurry over the weekend? Uh, on... uh, 144 to 98. The Warriors absolutely dismantled the Clippers 
if you ever thought there was a rivalry, it certainly ended after that year where they lost to the Clippers in the second round of the playoffs because it's been eight nothing Warriors ever since then. So sorry, Clippers, LA Clipper fans, but there's just there's there's no leg you guys have had to stand on ever since the Warriors came to prominence. Yeah, no, that was beautiful and, and- Curry was just incredible. The whole crowd chanting MVP. That was awesome. He was that third quarter. My favorite shot was the one he took from behind the half court line. That was just insane. I was just like, wow, this is just this is just vintage Curry, which vintage Curry is a year ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it's it's and it's it's partially because he's been trying to share the stage with KD, and finally Kerr just said, hey. KD will will do his KD thing. Don't 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 hold yourself back for the for the sake of KD. You know, play 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 your game, and and everything else will fall into place. And sure enough, that that has been the case. At least the ever since they've had that talk, Curry has been more himself lately because we've there is a drop in his numbers, but uh, a down year for Curry is an All Star MVP consideration for many other players in the league. So true, awesome, Raymond. Where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Goldcast underscore. Make sure you add that underscore afterwards. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher. That way you will get notified the second we go live. And if you are going to do it via YouTube, make sure to click that bell in addition to subscribing because the only way you're going to get notified is if you click that bell. That's a new feature that's on YouTube now. For I don't know why they changed it the way they did. But uh, if you want to get notifications via your phone or email or what have you, you need to click that bell. Click that damn bell. Raymond, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. Louis, where can they find you? Click the bell. All right, my name is Instagram and Twitter. Uh, actually, Louis B. Boom. You can find me at Rudy Solis Third, Rudy Solis Third, 3RD on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook too. It's mostly just my updates from Instagram and Twitter is all it really is at this point. (laughs) Uh, Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host. Whoa, careful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III. Louis, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. We're good. (laughs) That's all right. Sorry. I can edit. Sorry, go ahead. One more time. I'm losing it, man. I'm drunk. It's it. It's it. The alcohol's taking them. It's it. We're done. We're done. All right. Good. Good. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. And our Los Angeles co-host. Louis B. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time. Same Goldcast channel. I'm keeping that in, by the way. That's staying. Bro, I'm so sorry. That was fucking hilarious. <laughs> it was too good. This is, is the Goldcast.